Are you tired of spending your time and money chasing strategy after strategy only to discover what worked 10, 5, or even 2 years ago is not working now? Things shift fast in the online space, and if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. It's time for something different. Welcome to the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast, where every single episode will be jam-packed with proven, profitable strategies, behind-the-scenes secrets, and what's working now resources. From industry experts and global influencers to help you scale your business, shorten your learning curve, and stand out in a crowded, noisy marketplace. And now, your host, award-winning marketing and media strategist and international speaker, Patty Farmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Marketing Media Money Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Farmer, and I'm looking forward to sharing today's industry expert with you. And today we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, but also with a slight twist that I don't believe we've ever had anybody on the show talking about it in quite this way or at this perspective. So today we're going to be talking about the mindset of follow-up. So think about that for a second. We all know how important it is in sales to be able to follow up. But really, what's the mindset and could that possibly be standing in your way? So we have an expert here today who is going to share some information and some strategies and techniques with you. So I hope you have a pen and paper ready because I'm sure she's going to give you some writer downers, like I like to say. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So Wanda Allen is an international speaker, coach, corporate trainer, and author of Follow-Up Sales Strategies and Follow-Up Savvy. Prior to founding her company, Wanda had a very successful 25-year corporate career managing SBA departments that did a million plus in annual loan volume. It was through that experience that she developed a very strong skill for creating systems. After managing SBA departments for 15 years, she accepted a position which put her into sales. And one of the very first things she did was study the sales process and discovered just how critical follow-up is to every single stage in the process. She decided to take her strong skill of creating systems and applied it to the follow-up process. And within nine months of having the systems in place, she brought in her first million-dollar account. After leaving her corporate position, she founded her company, Follow-Up Sales Strategies. Her career is now devoted to helping sales professionals, entrepreneurs, and business owners improve their follow-up and relationship management skills. So Wanda, thank you so much. Congratulations on the book. Congratulations on all that you have accomplished. And thank you for showing up today and being so generous and sharing with my audience. Oh, well, you're welcome. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for having me. So I got to tell you, follow-up, you know, everybody hears about it. We've all heard the cliche, you know, the fortunes in the follow-up and all of that. But then I don't know what it is, but for some reason, people really get in their own way here, right? You know, they just really, for whatever reason, it isn't something that they really want to do and they don't understand how important it is or what consistency is here. So why do you think that companies and specifically salespeople don't follow up? Well, the primary reason is mindset. They don't have their the right thinking towards their follow-up work 
And then they don't, I believe so many people don't know how to do it. Yeah, we know you follow up once or twice, but then what? And if you don't know what to do, you tend not to do. And so it's the not knowing how, not having the right systems and processes in place that support you and following up for the fifth time or the eighth time when they're not getting back to you. So that's really mindsets first and foremost, and then having the right systems and processes in place is second to that. That makes a lot of sense to me. So before we dive into some of those, I always like to know what not to do just as much as I like to know what to do. So what would you say are a couple mistakes that people make when they are doing follow-up that are stopping them from getting the results that they want to have? Well, they quit or give up too soon. That's the number one. You know, it's when you quit or give up too soon, in no way are you giving your pipeline a chance to grow. And your pipeline is what drives sales. And so just because a prospect hasn't responded to you after two, three, or five follow-ups does not mean they're not interested. It just means they haven't gotten back to you. And oftentimes what salespeople do is they the good old assumption, you know, they assume, well, they haven't gotten back to me. So they're not interested. They went with somebody else. They changed their mind and you stop following up and you pull yourself out of the game, which means you're going to lose the business. So that's what not to do. Yeah. Don't quit. Don't give up. You know, research tells us that 80% of sales are made between the fifth and 12th contact. That's just the way it is today. And if you're in a longer sales process, you're right there in that range. And, you know, only 10% of people make three or more contacts. Is, and I think that's my maybe generous. I think I'd say 90% of people make two or less because they don't know what to do next when the prospect doesn't respond. And would you think that some of that sometimes is that when they're having conversations, that they don't qualify them. So that makes it even harder to follow up because they don't know what kind of questions to ask. I always say, ask better questions, you'll get better answers. And also if you're doing more talking than listening, you know, maybe you're not offering the right thing or you're not giving them the solution because you weren't really listening to what their problem was. Right, exactly. And so you do, you know, I always say you want the follow-up ball, you want the next step in your court. You don't want it in the prospect's hands. And how you do that is by asking the right questions. If you're not sure when you should follow up or if you should follow up and you don't ask the question, you're going to hang up that phone or leave that meeting with a big old question mark in your mind. And if you don't know what to do, uncertainty kicks in and that opens the door wide for being uncomfortable and not sure and questioning. And I'll just wait for the prospect to get back to me because they didn't really say, well, they didn't really say because you didn't ask. That's right. The answer is always no if you don't ask, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and there's just so much, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of our conversation, but there's just fear. There's fear in even asking the right questions. And it makes me so sad because People put forth so much energy getting that lead, which is prospecting, generate uh, lead generation, cold calling, door knocking, however you get your networking, however you get your leads, there's so much energy there. And then they get the lead and fall so short 
in seeing it through to getting a yes or a no. Yes, I I think I hear that all the time. People talk about it all the time. And that's why I think most people say they don't like sales, right? Well, I love sales, right? I love sales. I don't like sleazy sales. I don't like slimy sales, right? You know, but if you really think about really what sales is as as someone who is also a speaker and in marketing, I personally feel like I do somebody a disservice Mm -hmm. in reality if I talk to them about something or we're having a conversation and they share with me uh, a challenge or a problem they're having. If I have a solution and I don't even invite them to hear about that solution, that's not very nice on me. Like, if I had the solution, right? It's all in how I present it. And that was a mindset shift for me, right? You know, I mean, I think early on in my career, I think it's really shifting that mindset as to what really are you doing? Sales doesn't have to be slimy or sleazy. You're really offering somebody a solution to a problem they have. But if you're offering them a whole bunch of solutions and you don't even know what the problem is, it isn't even about them. You've made it be about you. And it's never about us. It's always about them. So let's go back to the questions thing. So what are, can you give us a few examples of some really good qualifying questions? Well, after you've talked to, and you've vetted, and you've had that meeting about them possibly doing business with you, that most of the time prospects don't sign the dotted line or say yes in that first meeting or first phone call. And they'll oftentimes will tell you, you know, we need to think about this, go over our budget, talk to the partner, to the spouse, whatever it is that they'll tell you why. And then you must always, always ask, would it be okay if I followed up? But that's not enough. Then most of the time they're going to say yes. And then you would say, when would be a good time? And they may say, you know, we're, we have a huge project. We'll get back to this. Why don't you follow it mid next month? You know exactly now when to follow up. You've been given their permission. And it will make it so much more comfortable for the next follow-up step. So I want your audience to never, ever not ask that question if they haven't signed the dotted line or given you the green light to say, yes, we're moving forward with you. Because, you know, and it shows that you are taking initiative and you're taking the burden off of them of having to get back to you. You know, if you're in sales, your job, part of your job is to follow up. And if you're not doing your job, you know, it's not being professional. And and you always want to be leaving a great professional impression. And the bar's so low today, Patty. (laughs) It's so low. It doesn't take much to stand out and leave a great impression. And you do it by asking the right question. And by asking for permission, like you said, I'm sure that that makes people stand out apart from other people right there because not everybody does that. One of the things that I learned early on was that if you're listening and you're hearing your prospects give the same objection then you should be thinking about how you can overcome that objection before they give it, right? You know, and so one of the things that I learned early on for me was that I was getting a lot of, oh, I have to talk to my spouse, which could really be accurate or could be a reason to get out of the conversation, right? But I was being asked that a lot. And so one of the things that literally like 20 years ago, I learned in my conversations was to ask them right up front, 
are you the decision maker or, you know, in your business, is there somebody else that helps you to make the decision? Do you have to talk to your spouse? You know, I ask them those questions up front. And if they say, oh, yes, I know I have to do this or I'm not the only person, I always want to have that call be with all of the decision makers. And if they do tell me that, yes, their spouse, I ask them that question. But if they tell me, oh, no, I am the decision maker, then I ask them right up front. So is what you're telling me is that after we have this conversation, if we should decide that we want to move forward, that having to talk to your spouse is not something, you know, and I pretty much ask them that up front. And so that has worked really, really well for me, just because I just want to make sure that when I'm listening because I always want to be of service, right? And so I want to know, are there going to be other things that somebody else is going to have that I need to address? Or are you the only person? So I know how important it is to ask the right questions. What are the other things that people should be listening for or doing in this very early process right now in order to be able to even get them to say yes to a follow-up call if they don't sign on the dotted line? Yeah. Well, it's understanding where they're at. And so another really great question can be as you're wrapping up the phone call or meeting, is there anything that would prevent you from moving forward? And so that's going to cause them to bring up any objections. And so they might say, well, it's budget. or I'm not sure we're really ready. And it gives you ammunition, if you will to be able to overcome those. So I think that's a really important question is, is there anything that would prevent you from moving forward? And that's a great question. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to bring up the objections. And, you know, like you say, when people get nervous about this sale, it's because they're focusing on making the sale. If they will focus, like you said, serving on service, you are there to serve because I believe anybody that's whatever they're selling believes they will make a difference in that prospect's business or life. And so, as you said, it's a disservice not to stay with them until you get the yes or no. And sometimes no doesn't even mean no. Sometimes no just means no, not now. Yeah, and there's a lot, you know, fear of rejection, that's a big one. And no is not where the pain is. There's such a misunderstanding. The pain is in the ignore. I mean, I will take a no over and ignore any day of the week because when somebody tells me, no, I know where they stand. You know, it's an update. It's a status. It keeps the train moving. When somebody ignores, then you go into idle and you sit, you know, you got to follow up. And But there's no is nothing to be afraid of. It is a good word, actually. It, It is not a bad word. And no is good. Well, it can help you to know where to put your your time and energy. And if they tell you no, and I find that a lot of times when people do say no, like I always like to lovingly say, you know, no is a complete sentence, right? (laughs) But I have found that most times when people do say no, they follow it with a reason. You know, it's like no, because yada, 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 right? Well, like you said, now you have the opportunity to answer some of those or to respond with, if it is something you can't, for whatever reason, whatever the reason is that they tell them, I mean, it could be something as, well, we're not going to do that till, you know, we're getting ready to have a baby and a couple months. I mean, it could be anything, right? And so whatever they say, is that reason a reason that in the future that you can, or is it 
no, like absolutely no, right? For a reason, for whatever their reason is, right? You know, so there's a lot of people who have different business. I mean, what if you were a realtor and they said, no, we've decided that we don't want to buy a house right now. Okay, well, that no is pretty much no, they're not going to buy a house right now, right? You know, but it doesn't mean they're not going to buy a house six months from now, maybe, or like, you know, have you changed your time frame? Obviously, you're having a conversation with them for a reason. So I think there's a lot of fear, like what you said. And then I think that sometimes when people hear the word no, they kind of cower from the no a little bit and they don't know what to do next. So when somebody does tell them no, what are some things that they should do after they hear the no to turn that no into a possible yes later or no, not now, rather than just no. And then if it is no, what should, you know, what are their steps then? Well, I think you pick and choose because if you continue to follow up with every prospect that told you no, it, that's just a lot. And so you pick and choose. Now, the realtor example you gave, they say, you know what, we decided we're not going to do it right now. We're not going to buy right now. And you enjoyed working with the prospect and you don't want to lose touch with them. You, here's what I would suggest you say. Okay, would it be okay if I stayed in periodic touch so that, you know, when if there comes a time when you do change your mind, we can reconvene and talk further? And that way, you're in there most likely going to say yes. And you're staying in touch with them because you don't want them to forget about you. And they will if you're not keeping your name in front of them. And so, if, and then, that's an example of when you would say, keep that relationship going. But if they say, no, we've like, if they bought a house and we decided to go with another realtor, well, that's pretty much the end of the road, right? Because another realtor is going to facilitate the purchase of their new house. And then you can decide, well, okay, you know, you're not going to, not everybody you talk to is going to do business with you. And so you pick and choose and vet and stay in the game. And ask the right questions. And then when you get to a no, decide if that's somebody you want to continue to stay in touch with for potential future business. Or maybe you just... Sorry? I said, absolutely. I agree with you. So that's shifting back to like that mindset, right? Because that is what that really is, is having the right mindset. So if somebody found themselves hearing a lot of no's, And then kind of getting caught up and beating themselves up and they find themselves like, oh, you know, when I hear that, you know, the shoulders are dropped and they're just kind of beat up, you know, what are some ways that they can help shift that mindset? Yeah. So there's been research done that shows the most successful salespeople get the most no's. And the reason that is, is because they make more calls than most people. And there's been a number of studies done that pretty much come to the same consensus is that a 20% closing rate is good. And if you can get to 30%, you're on your way to financial freedom. So what that means is that eight out of 10 prospects are not going to do business with you. And so just, you know, it's a numbers game. You just stay with it and you keep your pipeline full because that's what's going to feed your sales. And if your pipeline's thin, let's say you've got five prospects in there and two of them fall out at the same time, that hurts. That hurts. But when it's robust, you don't feel it as much. And so you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can and not take it personally. It just wasn't the 
When a prospect doesn't do business with you, it either wasn't the right fit or the right price. It wasn't the right or the right time. That's why they don't do business with your product or service. It's not about you. And so you've got to keep the skin thickened. You're vetting, you're looking, you're going to come across people who aren't interested in doing business with you. Okay. But your goal is to find the ones who are. And to get to those, you're going to meet people who are not. And it's just next, you're moving on. And you're looking for the ones who do want to do business with you. So just stay positive, stay in the game, don't quit, and believe in yourself and your product or service that you're selling. So what would you say are a few ways to overcome common follow-up fears? Okay, so... First fear is fear of being uncomfortable. If you're not used to doing your follow-up work on a regular basis, it is uncomfortable. But in the beginning only, it's a muscle. The more you do it, the stronger it gets, the thicker your skin gets. So when you have to follow up and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable, just shift your thinking to when I'm uncomfortable, it's my opportunity to grow. You can't go to new levels and remain comfortable. That's a modified definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. It's not going to happen. You, you should be doing something uncomfortable every single day because that's where the growth is. So be willing to be uncomfortable. It is okay. It's good. That's how you're growing. So that's a big fear. Another fear is, and I hear this one a lot, fear of being pushy. If I keep following up, I feel like I'm being pushy. And I think what feeds this fear is so many people have that pushy salesperson in their mind that they don't want to be. And so what they do is they go so far to the opposite end of the spectrum to make sure they're not that pushy salesperson that they end up taking very little, if any, action at all. And that doesn't work for fear of a coming across as pushy. And so, as I said before, if you're in sales, part of your job is to follow up. And so you're being professional is what you're doing. You're pursuing that prospect is what you're doing. You're showing interest in that prospect is is what you're doing. You're not being pushy. So if you will make professional and respectful your mantra in the follow-up process, there's no way you're going to be pushy because they don't fit together. It just doesn't work. And then fear of rejection, that's a big one. Fear of not knowing the outcome. I hear this, I hate to follow up because I never know what they're going to say. And this is such a crazy thought. Uh, It's such a crazy fear because the only way to know what the outcome is, is to follow up. I mean, it's like common sense, but this is how tripped up people get. And this is how strong and powerful fears are. And so It's just being willing to shift your mindset to put the fear at bay so that you can move forward and take the action you need to take to build your business and bring in more sales. That's where the focus should be, not on the fear. Because you know what you focus on magnifies, you know? Absolutely. So you've said a few times in our conversation, you've talked about a system. And how critical it is, right? You know, having that system. So let's talk a little bit about that because I'm pretty sure that most people, if they even do follow up, right, have a system on how they do it, right? It's just kind of 
fly by the seat of their pants kind of a kind of a thing. And maybe they even think they have a system, right? You know, then maybe they even think they have a system. And if it's not like you said, if you're not getting the numbers you want and it's not very it's not effective, then it's not a good system, right? You know, and maybe it isn't really even a system, right? You know, so let's kind of talk about that. So let's just define that a little bit of what to you is considered a system and what are some of the things that need to be in that system for it to be successful? Okay. Well, the first mothership of all systems is a CRM because the CRM is what manages your other systems of when and who and how often. If you're not using a CRM, it's, it makes the follow-up and relationship management so much more difficult. You're doing what I call slipping and sliding, which takes a ton more energy. It's scattered, unorganized, ineffective, inconsistent, and it just doesn't work. And so what happens when people are not using a CRM they're going willy-nilly and they're using uh, pen and spiral notebooks, sticky notes, their cell phones, Excel, their memory bank, and maybe a little bit of all of those. And that is wreaks such havoc <laughs> on trying to effectively get your follow-up work done. So I really want to encourage your audience to please get a CRM. I'm telling you, it will change your life. And that sounds so dramatic, but it really will. It's that powerful because you're going to bring in more sales. You're going to have stronger relationships. Things are going to stop slipping through the cracks. Your stress level is going to lower. And when all that happens, your life changes. And they're not, in it, they're not expensive. You can get them for as little as $15 a month. I mean, they go up, the more expensive it is, the more complex it is. But there's even free versions out there. But I always say proceed with caution because you know how free goes. You get what you pay for. And just don't be penny wise and pound foolish with this decision. So that's the mothership of all systems. Then you've got to have a system in place. How and when do you get your follow-up work done every day? How and when do you consistently stay in touch? How do you handle following up when you're being ignored? These are all systems and processes that are critical in keeping you moving forward, keeping your mindset right. Because when you have the right systems in place, your mind quiets down because you always know what the next step is. You know what your process is, what your daily routine is. And that's why it's so critical. But the heart of it all is that CRM. I will go to my grave preaching CRMs because it's just, it pains me how much people struggle and how much unnecessary stress they're putting on themselves because they don't have order to this side of business. And for those that don't know what a CRM is, can yes. you define it for them? Yes, it stands for Customer Relationship Manager. So if you just even think of those words, it manages your relationships. And it's a computer program. You want to get web-based that houses all of your contact and follow-up information for the people that are important to you. And, you know, we live in an amazing time of technology. So there's some sophisticated ones. Uh, but again, they're going to be more costly. But I believe less is more, simpler is better when it comes to a CRM. Because if it's too complex or complicated, you're not going to use it. 
And when you have to be willing to go through the learning curve, but the learning curve is temporary and you determine how short or long it is based on how committed you are to using it. Because the more consistent you are with using it, the shorter the learning curve is going to be. And like I said, there's just, there's hundreds out there. There's so many CRMs out there and you just have to like it because if you don't like it, you're not going to use it. And just keep in mind too, there's no perfect program out there. Just like it and move on and get Well, do you think that it's knowing what features it is? You know, everybody has different kinds of businesses, right? You know, there's not one size fits all business. So I'm sure there's not a one size fits all CRM either. So when you're thinking about it, like, you know, when you're talking about costly versus, you know, all the different things it does, how many features it has, you know, you can always start with the features you absolutely want to have, right? But what are some of those? So talking about that, what are some of the ones that you would say, these are the holy grail must have features you would want a CRM to have in order to have a good system? Yeah, I'm all about simplicity and basic because that's because it's easy. And when it's easy, we do it. Three months, you have to have a note section and you have to have reminder dates. That is it. If that's all you had in a CRM, you're as good as gold. Nothing will slip through the cracks. Now, people may want the CRM to have features where it links to your calendar. You can send group emails. There's even some, I just talked to somebody yesterday, he wants a CRM to have a shopping cart on it. And, you know, so I always just say, pull it back, just pull it back. If you have none, then just start with a simple CRM. And the simple CRMs today are still very current. You know, they're not old school CRMs. There's no such thing. You have to keep up with technology today if you're going to survive in the CRM world. So they're all really good. But honestly, in the simplest form, you need a note section and reminder dates. That is it. I mean, it can't get any simpler than that. And what's really good is even when you have that, I mean, CRMs do so many more things now and can really help you in your marketing and in your sales and saving you time. And we all know that, you know, time is money. So I think that is really good. So once you have a CRM in place, are there other things that you need to have in order to have? that system? Well, you just have to, you create systems in their patterns and routines. And so you use your reminder dates to keep you on track as to, hey, it's today's the day you need to call Sue. And how often do you want to stay in touch with somebody? Three times a year, four times a year, every other month, you know, then that's, you get that into your CRM so that you're alerted as to when it's time to touch Bob. And so that's what I mean when you decide on your systems and the routines you want, and then your CRM will drive it for you in terms so see of- See how simple you made that? Because I think whenever people think about system, like even hearing the word, right? You know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, it's going to be, you know, this 20 point system that I got to do this and this. And so simplifying that for us, I think, makes a lot of sense. And again, just like everything else, that's all about getting your mindset right about that too. But anything that's simple, you don't have to remember, right? You know, something that helps you to be able to do that just seems like, you know, simple equals sales, right? You know, so. And, and simple equals getting it done. 
because we like our inherent natures. We like easy. (laughs) We don't like difficult, complex, challenging processes. We will stay away from them. I think that makes a lot of sense too. I think a lot of times through the course of our careers, right? You know, the thing that gets in our way the most is us. And you've had this amazing, amazing career, right? You know, so you've had this amazing career. If you were going to go back and talk to yourself in the beginning, what advice would you give yourself if you were starting over now? In the beginning in my corporate career or as my, as an entrepreneur? As an entrepreneur. Oh, it's going to be harder and more challenging than you would have ever thought. But in the end, it will be so worth it. Do not quit. I love that. That's really, really good advice. So let's talk a little bit about the book. So you have two books actually, right? So you have follow-up savvy and follow-up sales strategy. Yeah. So follow-up savvy, I retired. I wrote that so long ago. It's just not even really in alignment with who I am today. So my primary book is follow-up sales strategies. Yes. I rebranded. I used to be follow-up savvy and then I rebranded to follow-up sales strategy. And my rebranding coach said, you need a new book (laughs) consistent with your branding. And so it was time anyway. Well, that makes a lot of sense though, really. I think that actually it's certainly from a marketing person point of view, it is definitely better for a brand and better for searchability. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So I really like it. We are going to make sure that when people look below in the show notes, they will be able to have a link that'll take you directly to the book. And that's not even all she has. She actually has a free guidebook as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's seven strategies to close more sales and it's snippets of if you implemented these seven strategies, it's going to be very helpful. And so it's just something I want to offer. And, you know, we got to start somewhere. That's the thing. Start somewhere. Take this information, implement it. You could get information every day, all day, but if you don't have implementation, it's all for naught. So, oh, so true. Yeah. Action trumps potential every day of the week. So yes, you have to take action and implement. So I love that. So now, you know, below you have a link to a book that you can purchase where you can go a little bit more in depth with her. You got a free guidebook where you can start with that if that's what you want to do. And then you actually have what I want to say is what we're calling, this is the Marketing Media Money Podcast. So we always like to ask our guests, what is their number one? If you had to break it down, what is your number one marketing, media, and money strategy? Yeah. So right now, it is my existing relationships. I'm a speaker. And what I'm doing right now is I'm going to the people that I already know, that I already have relationships with. Hey, do you by chance belong to or know of any groups that bring in outside speakers? Boom. I am getting so much business. And I want to remind your audience of that. They know people who will generate more business for them. And I think the tendency as a salesperson is close the business, moving on, looking for the next new. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Don't forget about everybody you already know. And don't let those relationships go. 
the ones that you enjoyed working with and doing business with, don't let them go. That's a gold mine. And so right now, that's really where I'm focusing on my gold mine for my marketing at this point. And it's just invaluable. And plus, it comes with an approval rating, right? When they're referring me and saying, hey, Wanda's great, or you know, whatever they want to say. And it increases the chance of doing getting more business. So, yeah. That made me think of a question. So when we're talking about the mindset of follow-up and we're talking about a system, do you see that there's any differences in how we should do it or apply it or shift when we are in more of a virtual world now rather than in person? So have you shifted your strategy or shifted your system any because we're doing so much more work virtually? No, I haven't. Because if I'm meeting somebody virtually and I want to get to know them or follow up with them, or they've expressed an interest in what I do, I'm going to follow up with them on the phone or, you know, put in the chat box, hey, would it be okay if I called you to have a conversation or would you be open to having coffee or a Zoom coffee? I ask the same things, whether it's in person or on Zoom. See, I think that's really good. And that's a mindset shift because I think a lot of times, one of the things that I hear all the time is, oh, well, you know, it's not the same right now. I can't get in front of people. It's, you know, we're in a virtual world. Like that's an excuse. Let's get rid of that. That's a mindset shift. Let's just shift that right now and stuff. So I think that is really good. So thank you for actually saying that because I think that is really important. So Wanda, I know people are going to want to, you know, get in contact with you. And I know they're going to want to connect with you. Where can they go to get the information to connect with you? They can go to my website, followupsalesstrategies.com. Oh, that was easy. So followupsalesstrategies.com. The link will also be below in the show notes to make it nice and easy. So Wanda, thank you so much for being so generous. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us. I appreciate you being here um, with us today. Well, thank you. It has been a great time. I appreciate it. And to our sponsor, the Exacta Corporation, developer of the Family Organizer Plus platform. For more information, check them out at exactacorp.com. And thank you for joining us here on the Marketing Media Money Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, and I'm sure you did, please subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. So thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode of the Marketing Media and Money Podcast. And until then, Make it a phenomenal day. Thank you for joining us today on the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast. To shorten your learning curve even more, make sure to grab your free copy of the Marketing, Media, and Money Magazine at www.marketingmediamoney.com. I promise your business will thank you.